Good morning and welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to begin Parsha's Vezos Abracha. Vezos Abracha is the last Parsha in the Torah, and it is a total of 41 Psokim, which is a short Parsha. Our Aliyah is from Periklama Gimel Aleph to Zion, which is seven Psokim in total. The topic of our Aliyah is the introduction and Moshe's Brachos to Ruven and Yehuda. Let's take a look at a basic summary, and then there are lots to point, of points to ponder. So the summary is as follows. We're told that this is parasha, or this next section, is about the bracha which Moshe is going to give to Bnei Yisrael before his death. And he articulates, he says it very poetically, that Hashem came from Sinai, he shone forth to Seir, and expressed himself to Har Paran, the mountain in Paran, and came with these holy multitudes on his right was this fiery law, and all of, the, all of them were submitted to his words, carrying his laws. And Moshe gives the commandments as an inheritance to the nation of Israel, these teachings. And when um, there was a king in Yeshurun, when everybody comes together and all the, the leaders of the tribes of Israel come together, that's when there will be a king in Yeshurun. Obviously, symbolically talking about how all the different tribes that are standing before him, when they can cooperate, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to be the king of Israel. And then we have the first two brachas. Bracha number one is to Reuven. The, Reuven, the bracha is Yechi Reuven Vayamos Misbar, that you let Reuven live and not die and let him be counted among his brothers. And then the bracha goes to Yehuda, Shema Hashem Kol Yehuda, that Yehuda is going to be heard, the voice is heard, and is going to be brought to his people. Um, his hands were great, and he will be a help against his enemies. Um, just as an interesting aside, when I was in school, when I was in seventh grade, we had to memorize all of this. So this had to be something which, when we got to Zosah we had to memorize this all of Bahat. So it's one of those sections in the Torah, like the brachas of Yaakov, the brachas of um, Moshe, are very significant part of the Torah. Let's try to understand some of the details here. First question that we should look at when thinking about the Zalia is, what is the poetic preamble at the beginning of the parasha? Like, what is this whole first paragraph? Rashi explains that it is the praise for Hashem, which therefore deepens the impact of the brachos because it comes from the infinite source of Hashem. So to understand why the brachos should be relevant, that's why we have the first section of the parasha. Now, what's this whole business of Hashem coming from Sinai and Paro and that whole business? So Rashi explains that this is an elaborate description of Matan Torah. So for instance, Zorach Miseir Lamo, he shines forth from Seir, that refers to how Hashem first offered the Torah to Esav, but they refused. Then Hofia Mehar Parani, he presented it from the places, the mountain of Paran, that refers to Yishmael, the nomadic tribes of Yishmael, the Arabs, who did not accept the Torah either. Finally, Vaasa revoiced Kodesh, then Hashem came with the multitudes of angels, with Aish Das Lama referring to the Torah in its primordial state, not just simply parchment and ink, but the black fire on the white fire energy, matter and antimatter, the idea of the Torah, the concept of the Torah before it even took form in the reality that we have it, and giving it to the nation of Israel. Looking at the bracha of Reuven, why does it seem to be that there's some sort of veiled threat upon Reuven that he should live and not die, that he should be counted among his brothers as if he stood not to be counted? Rashi explains because it goes back to his sin. Reuven, like in when Yaakov Inu gives the bracha to Reuven, he also talks about that Reuven moved the bed of his father after the death of Rachel. 
his, uh, his special wife, Yaakov moved his bed into the tent of Bilhah, her maidservant, as opposed to his, the, the other wife, Leah. And Reuven felt this as an affront and moved his father's bed. That was seen as a, ter- a terrible sin. And therefore, the, this bracha is reassuring that despite the bracha of Yaakov had taken a lot away from Reuven, nonetheless, he was being assured that he would still be among, he'll have spiritual longevity be included among the rest of the tribes. When we get to the bracha of Yehuda, we hear Shema Hashem Kol Yehuda. Hashem listens to the voice of Yehuda. Why is Hashem listening for the voice of Yehuda? So Rashi quotes a Gemara in Baba Kama that when Yehuda made a, the proclamation to his father in Parshas Miketz, that he was trying to guarantor that he would bring, would be the guarantor to bring back his brother Binyamin, he says, Anachi Ervenu, I'll I'll be his guarantor, and if not, Kol Hayamim, I will send have sent to my father all days. What does it mean? Yamim, it means in this world and the next, Yehuda was precluding himself from the world to come. Now, truth be told, he brought back Benjamin. But when a tzaddik says a, a phrase of such magnitude, it has still a gravitas. It still has some sort of residue. And therefore, the Ray Rashi describes it is that the bones of Yosef were rattling in their coffin for the 40 years during the desert. Not only were the bones of Yosef brought from Egypt, but the bones of the rest of the brothers were brought up. And Yehuda's bones were rattling in their coffin, almost to symbolize that he was not gaining access to the world to come, or the next step, the Olam HaNashamos, because of the because of this proclamation. So Moshe Rabbeinu turned to Hashem and says, Mi Goram Leruven. Who was the one who caused Reuven to do Teshuvah on his son? It was Yehuda, because Yehuda had made his admission about Tamar, so therefore he catalyzed the, the Teshuvah process of his brother Reuven, and that was seen as a schus, and at that point in time the bones started, stopped rattling and he was able to gain access to, to the next step of the journey of the soul. So the question that Rav Chaim Shumanovitz asks on the, this Rashi quoting the Kamora is why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu just refer to Yehuda's own chuva process. After all, Yehuda's chuva process is very public. It was very embarrassing. It took a lot of guts for him to be able to do that as a, as a leader of the area that he was in. So why not just don't talk about that? So Racham Shulamitz points out that when a person does a, 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 a change in themselves, makes a change in their own personal lifestyle, that is, that is magnificent. But when that change influences others, then the reward for that change becomes exponential. Meaning to say, Ruvain's being the collateral impact for good um, of Yehuda's process of tshuva is something which therefore became so much more exponential when we can influence others. And this works for the good and for the not so good. Being very careful about how we influence others based on our decisions, which may seem to be personal at the beginning. And finally, one question over here is what happened to Shimon? The brachas go from Ruvain to Yehuda. What happened to Shimon? So Rashi says Shimon is actually left out because of the um, whole episode of Baal Peor, where at the end of the desert we saw at the end of Parshas Balak, where the nation of Israel was seduced by the daughters of Moab and Midian, and the person leading that cause was Zimri. So he was from the, the sea base of, of Shimon, and therefore you, he was left out of the bracha. Rashi does point out that there's an innuendo to Shimon in the, the word Shema Hashem Kol Yehuda. Hashem should listen to the voice of Yehuda as being a Hint to Shimon being in Yehuda's bracha, and of course, in the division of the land, Yishimon's chelek, Shimon's portion of the land, is also subsumed at the least at the very beginning by Yehuda, which also matches the bracha. Um, a friend of mine, Rabbi Yoni Gold from Chicago, makes a very beautiful point, and that is is that Levi and Shimon were both 
shunned in the brachos of Yaakov. Hashem says, Yaakov had said to them that they, they stole their trade, they were using the sword, they were impetuous, they were too passionate, and they killed the city of Shechem, and perhaps even he knew, knows about the Mechiras Yosef. So Yaakov, in a certain sense, gives them a reprimanding. Moshe Rabbeinu, now looking back many, many years later, says, well, Let's see, Levi's going to get a bracha, that's the next aliyah, but Shimon does not. What was the difference? Well, Shimon um, actually, unfortunately, continued to misuse that passion um, um, in an impetuous way, and that's the Balpoor episode. But Levi also used that impetuousness and that passion, that zeal, but that zeal turned in a different direction. It was the zeal of Mila Hashem at Harsina, where Levi um, took charge and did a very good thing. And similarly with Pinchas, he took charge and did a very good thing, even though it was hard decisions. So Levi was able to harness and channel that idea, that characteristic, whereas Shimon not, which is why Levi's included in the Brachos of Moshe, whereas Shimon is not. He's only there left as an innuendo. Very fascinating perspective. With this, we close the Aliyah. In the meantime, a wonderful, meaningful.